We're in John chapter 13. We'll be looking at verses 31 through 38. Jesus is uh, in the Passover meal with his disciples. It has just transpired. And he has indicated who will betray him. And he indicates this to John who leans next to Jesus' breast. And, uh, and Jesus says, most assuredly, one of you will betray me. But John wants to know who. Jesus answered, it is to him whom I shall give a piece of bread. And when I have dipped it, and Jesus does dip it, and he gives it to Judas. But only John, and perhaps Peter, is privy to Judas being the betrayer of Jesus. Jesus has just washed all the disciples' feet. And this lowly servant's task that Jesus takes on, it offends Judas. Judas rejects the humble servant attitude of Messiah. He's disappointed with Jesus because Jesus isn't meeting the requirements that Judas wants in a conquering Messiah. And Judas has already determined in his heart to expose Jesus because Judas finds Jesus unworthy of his allegiance. Judas now will separate himself from this servant Messiah and betrayal is already in the heart of Judas. Judas also understands and realizes that Jesus is on to him. Jesus knows Satan has control of Judas. Jesus is fully aware of Satan's plot, and he's fully aware that Judas is Satan's man. And Jesus tells Judas, what you must do, do quickly. Judas departs, and immediately it's night. So let's pick up in John 13, verse 31 through 38. So when he had gone out, Jesus said, Now the Son of Man is glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him immediately. Little children, I shall be with you a little while longer. You will seek me. And as I said to the Jews, where I am going, you cannot come. So now I say to you, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? 
I will lay down my life for your sake. Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow till you have denied me three times. In verse 31, we have there Judas going out from the Passover meal with Jesus and the other disciples. And all things are now in place as Jesus declares, now the Son of Man is glorified. And God is also glorified in Jesus. Next verse. If God is glorified in Jesus, God will glorify Jesus in himself and glorify Jesus immediately. Rome, the ruler of the world at that time, and they were brutal in their ruling, uh, has Israel under fear. Rome used the executioner's cross to shame and humiliate anyone who opposed them. And it brought fear to all the people that Rome ruled over. So with the people of Israel, the cross was humiliating. It was disgraceful. It was cursed to hang upon a cross. It was a shameful way to die, to die hanging on a cross. But we have Jesus, and he's knowing what his death will accomplish on that cross, the redemption of mankind. And that is not shameful to Jesus or the Father in any way. But God and Jesus are glorified in the death of Jesus on the cross. They're glorified in it. As Christians, we have what I call mixed emotions about the cross. We're sorrowful, truly sorrowful, that Jesus had to suffer the cross. And we see movies about the suffering of Christ, and it, it kind of gets to us emotionally. But we're oh so glad that Jesus was willing to go to the cross. And so as Jesus readies himself for the cross, his cruel, painful death brings glory. It brings glory to God the Father and to himself. Jesus dying, bringing glory to God's plan of salvation. The cross was necessary. It was required for our salvation. Jesus' sacrificial death is required for us to be forgiven. And it's God's perfect plan, and it's glorious. It's glorious. For Jesus, the pain and suffering, the humiliation is glorious. Glorious in what that it accomplishes. What a Savior we have that's willing to glorify in a cruel death. For years after the death of Jesus, there was arguments among different people groups 
who crucified Christ? The Christians say, hey, the Jews crucified Christ. And the Jews, they blamed Rome. Hey, we didn't have the authority to kill a man. Rome crucified Jesus. But in reality, it was the sin of mankind that required Jesus to suffer the cross. So you and I, we're the ones that crucified Jesus by our sinful behavior. Our sins hung Jesus on the cross where glorious redemption was accomplished. Then we move on to verse 33, and Jesus calls his disciples their little children. This is the only time in the Gospels where Jesus is so tender and so intimate. Yet it also indicates the disciples' immaturity. And he says, where I go, you cannot come. Consider that. Jesus is talking to his disciples who have followed him closely for three and a half years. They've given their future over to Jesus, been with him constantly. And now they hear Jesus say he will leave and they cannot come with him. And then we have the words of Jesus and their words of instruction to his disciples. And he says, I have a new commandment for you. Love one another in the same way as I have loved you. Love one another. And he says this twice. Love one another. Take care of one another. Wash the feet. Serve one another. And the love that Jesus is speaking of is agape love, the highest love that there is. Love one another, serve one another with no regards to cost or time or to yourself. And he says, love one another in the same way that I have loved you. There is the golden rule, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. And Jesus takes it a step higher, and he says, serve and love one another as I have loved you. That can be difficult, or it can be uh, so rewarding in and of itself. I try to serve, I really do but I'm a little too conscious of my time if I serve you. I kind of have a little motto, waste your time, but don't waste mine. <laughs> and I should be more outgoing, more loving, more like my Lord Jesus. And Jesus has presented a well-used commandment in a new and a fresh light. Jesus has took upon himself the lowest of the servants' responsibility, and that was to wash the disciples' feet, to serve as the least of servants. So, 
I tried to think of an example of service. Here at Calvary, we try to serve. I see you people serving one another, and it does my heart good. But there's a, a moving company, two men in a truck. We are several families with pickup trucks and trailers. <laughs> and moving can be, let's face it, an ugly chore. <laughs> and so we attack someone who's moving in numbers. And I'm always pleased at the turnouts we have when we help somebody move. Our moving becomes sort of a time of fellowship, not an overwhelming burden on the person moving. So keep us in mind the next time you move. Did I say that? <laughs> I know I, I detest moving my own stuff. But anyway, but a new commandment by Jesus Show that you are my disciples by loving, not me, not loving Jesus, but loving one another. And love in the way that Jesus loved. Love is demonstrated by our serving. Jesus said, love as I've loved you. Now, to make a point, make a point, I'm going to sing to you. I've never done this from the pulpit. Yes, they'll know we are Christians by our love, by our... And it's true. It's true. Wasn't that great? <laughs> you know, I used to hear Chuck Smith lead out in a song, and I go, I'll never do that. <laughs> But let me read you verse 36 through 38. Simon Peter said to Jesus, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I am going. You cannot follow me now, but you shall follow me afterwards. Peter said to him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered him, will you lay down your life for me? Most assuredly, I say to you, the rooster shall not crow until you have denied me three times. Peter is willing at this moment in time to die following Jesus. And I have no reason to doubt his sincerity whatsoever. Peter understands that Jesus is speaking of his death. And Peter wants Jesus to know, not only will Peter not betray you Jesus I will not betray you but I'm determined to follow you even if it means my death and in his flesh Peter is as solid as a person can be with Jesus even willing to die but here's Peter's heir his confidence in his flesh his determination, his commitment. There's where his commitment is laying. And he says, Jesus, I'll die with you if it's necessary. And Peter really believes this. 
Have you ever been deceived by your flesh? <laughs> by the weakness of your flesh? I have often determined in myself that I would never sin that same sin again. That I have sinned probably many times in the past. I have finally learned my lesson. I have received forgiveness from the Lord in a moment. In that moment of self-reliance, I tell God how grateful I am that he has restored me and forgiven me. But now comes that confidence part that I will never sin that way again, Lord. Only to sin that way again. Peter is right there. Peter is so determined, Lord, I will die for you, with you. You cannot go anywhere, Jesus, that I'm not willing to go. But you know what? Jesus knows Peter's heart. But Jesus also knows the future. And he says, Peter, your boasting is in the flesh. And he says, will you lay down your life for me? Will you do it, Peter? And then Jesus gives us and gives Peter a most assuredly. I say to you, before morning, before this day is out, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And all that had to change were the events around Jesus and Peter. Peter in his self-assurance, in his boldness of the flesh, will deny Jesus before a young servant girl who simply accuses Peter of being one of Jesus' disciples. Peter curses and said, that's not true, I don't know the man. This denial of Peter haunts him. We know that he goes out and weeps bitterly, but it demonstrated to Peter how weak he is in his flesh. And if Jesus had not sought Peter out after his resurrection and restored Peter, Quite possibly, Peter would have gone the way of Judas or just slipped off into oblivion, never to be heard of again. But Jesus had plans for Peter, and Peter must see. Peter has to see the weakness of his flesh to become that disciple that brings honor to his Lord. When our weakness of the flesh is exposed, it can be devastating. It can actually cripple us mentally. And it's, it's hard to realize that we can be so weak sometimes. But Peter has a great future as a disciple, but first had to come the humiliation of his flesh. Peter must see the weakness of himself in the flesh. And we all can learn from Peter that our flesh is weak and it's contrary to the spirit. 
Amen. Let me get you to stand. We'll close in prayer.